And now for a discussion on the graceful and artistic movements of the most elegant and sensible form of dance, the ballet. It's the Bloody Ballet with Ryan McKinnon. So welcome to the first episode of the Bloody Ballet. Um, my guest today is uh, an international man of Muay Thai, as I like to refer to him as. <laughs> He's um, a former pro Muay Thai fighter. You can find him coaching in Toronto, Ontario at Extreme Couture and at Open Mat. Um, recently, he started doing a seminar circuit. Um, just an all-round awesome Muay Thai person and one of my favorite people on this planet, um, Tony Manoharan. Well, thanks but, for having me, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for being on, man. Thanks so much. So yeah, let's start with uh, the seminar that you recently just conducted that was hosted at Atlanta MMA in Toronto. Um, some takeaways from that. How was that experience for oh, you? Oh, it was, it was really good. Um, Atlanta MMA was actually, um, I think I believe the first gym that I, I started uh, fighting out of. So I had my first six fights, amateur fights, out of that gym. And uh, yeah, it was a little bit nostalgic to go back there and do a seminar. Uh, the seminar was uh, like a very technical-based seminar where... Yeah. Uh, I was using a lot of techniques that I had um, learned over the years. Um, I was lucky enough to train at a whole bunch of different gyms, uh, spanning from Canada to the U.S. And then I think it was two years ago, going out to Australia and uh, England. So picking up, you know, all the small little techniques that I can, and you know, uh, putting into basically making my my arsenal, my package, mm -hmm. um, to teach that and regurgitate those kind of techniques. Uh, uh, you know, it's it, it was it was a good experience in that sense. So yeah, well, I was in attendance and I, I definitely <laughs> enjoyed it. Um, when you were explaining a sort of who you are as a fighter, you were saying that you take a lot from the Australian and British style of yeah. Muay Thai. Could you uh, explain what that is, or maybe differing styles that you can newer fighters can look at a fighter and, and sort of notice? Yeah, um, I've, I've been a huge fan of uh, Australian and, and UK Muay Thai for. For years, right, and I think it's actually the best Muay Thai outside um, uh, Thailand, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, the style's a little bit different. I mean, they score a little bit more with the hands as opposed to uh, traditional Thai boxing, where there's a slower start. It's more kick base and flinch base. So uh, they still have all aspects of Muay Thai in the sense that it's it's still full rules, but right off the bat they go. You know, they uh, it's start to finish action, um, and it's, it's just for me, I find it more a much more exciting aspect of Muay Thai in that sense. So um, I was a huge fan of John Wayne Pars growing up. So uh, being able to train with him and see that circuit and fight on his, his gym and his banner uh, was probably the, probably the biggest highlight of my career. Yeah, so let's yeah. talk about that. So it's caged Muay Thai. That was, that's pretty intense to watch. I mean, that's, um, it's a definitely um, very innovative. That's John Wayne Parr's promotion. So please give us you know some detail. I mean, that's, you're fighting basically inside of what looks like an octagon. Um, wearing four ounce gloves. It's a, it's a six ounce glove, so it's a modified okay. uh, um, MMA glove. Uh, there's not a lot of padding. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so you you do feel everything uh, from you know from the slightest jab, uh, even blocking, taking a kick on, on you know on the, basically on your guard, you still feel it through. So that's another thing that you got to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. um, the punches they swoop around the guards, and just like any other MMA fight, you just got to keep your hands hands nice and tight. You know. Mm -hmm. um. 
And where do you see that promotion going? Is that is it, is it a big 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 deal in Australia? It's huge, man. It's it's growing. Like uh, I think they they did a promotion in in Ireland uh, not too long ago, and I think he's he's looking to expand the brand. Uh, it's exciting. There's uh, the majority of fights uh, do end up with knockouts, and it's all the exciting stuff that you see in the cage in the UFC without the grappling. Right. So. Right, smart idea on John Wayne's part, yeah. So let's um, talk about another promotion, which is the the MTO. Uh, you're an official for the uh, Muay Thai Ontario. What yes, are, right. yeah, talk, let's talk about that. I mean, we were, you and I were at uh, the Muay Thai Ontario general meeting a few weeks ago. Um, where do you see the promotion going? What do you What do you like about it? Oh, it's, uh, you know, it's it's great for an amateur circuit. It's uh, IFMA base in the sense that, uh, um, the rules uh, emulate what's uh, what's um, uh, regulated through the International Federation of Muay Thai. Um, it's it's, gr- it's it's a great thing for Ontario because uh, there was a little bit of a void between uh, the organizations of Camtow and WAMTAC. CAS kind of filled in um, to fill, to kind of bridge the gap between that, but it was not. I don't think it was considered you know a traditional Muay Thai mm-hmm. in that sense. Uh, so it's, it's a it's a good thing, and you have a lot of gyms that are involved in Ontario in that in, in that aspect. And the talent is it's it's solid, and with the amount of events that they're having every month. Um, it's a good breeding ground for a lot of these, uh, a lot of new uh, up and comers. Yeah, definitely. I was very impressed with the uh, the Destiny Fight show. Oh yeah, that they did their yeah. third one at Woodbine Center last mm-hmm. month, and just looking at the pre and post production, it's mm-hmm. really it all. It looked like a pro show. Um, the the way they edited the fighters' videos, yeah. the the shorts, which I believe were pro- provided by Kimura Wear, mm-hmm. um, just everything looks seamless. It was they, they make they make the amateurs, uh, you know, like an amateur event look like uh, like a pro event, right? Yeah. Uh, the fighters look like superstars, you yeah, know. Yeah. They're talented kids. Uh, a lot of them have, uh, you know, uh, uh, years and years of experience behind them, like guys like um, like I, I believe Andy Tran, Hashmat. Um, there's a couple individuals that have you know fought internationally too, right? So to have them here fight locally and on a local show because there are local fighters, right? At the end of the day, it's a good thing for Ontario, which was something that was lacking in previous years. You know, when I, uh, when Camtown kind of dissolved, I didn't really have a lot of places to go to, right? Which was a blessing in, in disguise because I was able to uh, to travel out to places like New York and compete out there in Calgary. So um, that was that was kind of beneficial in that sense. But here and now, it, it, it brings back Muay Thai to Ontario. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're seeing people from Ottawa coming in, uh, gyms like Oama and um, uh, Ottawa Fight and Fitness. Um, there's a couple of gyms for in, in Quebec that are getting involved, so it'll be it'll be a, a huge thing down the road, and also with Muay Thai Canada in general, uh, the MTC, uh, ho- us hosting events here in Ontario, and uh, eventually going out to places like Calgary and BC to uh, to uh, to do promotions. It basically merges the gyms and the fighters together under one basically one uh, one organization nationwide right one big Muay Thai yeah, family yeah. exactly yeah exactly. yeah now and based on all your travels you've been to the states you've been to Australia yeah. Thailand fought in four different on four different continents yeah. um, there's something about southern Ontario maybe I'm just biased <laughs> but I really believe that some of the best Muay Thai exports have come out of southern Ontario um, what do you think in terms of your travels some of the differences you might see or is does southern ontario have something special when it comes to thai boxing they do i mean uh, i mean you look at guys like uh, you know like the originators like clifton brown uh shane campbell um alex ricci uh simon and, and matt embry simon marcus and matt embry mm-hmm. um 
definitely they have there's you know no shortage of talent there and these guys have uh captured some 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 great accomplishments and 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 trophies and belts you know uh worldwide right that's a it's a huge um accomplishment for uh for southern ontario in, in general but at the same time um there are talents out there too as well um if you in australia there's a lot of good fighters out there in the uk as well right uh it's not just liam and andy Housen and damian trainer there's a lot of other uh fighters out there um that will eventually come up and 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 basically um uh you know shine too as well on the same stage that let's say for example simon joe valentini and uh, and uh, matt Embry have right so you'll have those individuals that they'll that'll come up nationwide australia's got a you know a crazy amount of fighters as well um i'm not gonna say i'm biased to just australian and uk muay thai i think what we have here is amazing as well uh definitely and if you you could look at the gloria uh belt holders right i mean the majority of them were held by canadians mm-hmm. all right yeah, it's pretty amazing. So. Let's talk about uh, Matt Embry's last fight. So he wrote a, an amazing Facebook mm-hmm. post, um, basically reflecting on uh, being, a, being a Muay Thai fighter first and a boxer second mm-hmm. to basically sum it up. What did you see in that glory fight? Um, for myself, watching Matt, he, he definitely brought more hands uh, to his game, uh, Glory 33 in New Jersey, yeah. he knocked uh, Chibin Lin out in the second round, I oh, believe, yeah. and Chikadze out, or in the second round as well. Yeah. And so you could see that Matt's hands had definitely, uh, they built up yeah. with some power and some speed, and he has that really nice off-time left hook. Yeah. Um, and then brought that to the, the Rusmalen fight, and it didn't seem to go as as well as he had planned, right? Yeah. So that that comparison in styles, like that Dutch, when people say Dutch style, mm-hmm. right? What is it? What is it that they mean? Like when you look at someone like Rusmalen, um, you can see that. I mean, it's it's heavily based with 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 boxing um, combinations that that usually tend to end with a low kick. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not much of obviously it's glory kickboxing, right? But their style, uh, the Dutch style, it, it, there's not much clinch. Uh, the, they have a lot of fights, a lot of events. There's almost an event every week. Um, all over the country in, 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 in Holland, right? So um, it's not, you know, uncommon to see a fighter come in with, you know, 80, 90, 100 fights, you know, and they're only 24, 25 years old, right? Mm-hmm. The, the amateur circuit there is um, uh, incredible. Um, I've, I've been in Holland myself, but I've never actually trained there. Um, I know uh, a U.S. coach by the name of Eric Haycraft that's gone there several times and um, getting to chat with him and him explaining how they train out there. Uh, it's eye-opening. Uh, they spar incredibly hard. Um, the, the the intensity um, is is 100%. Um, they do work a lot on, I, I believe it is like more of uh, sparring drills as opposed to pad work and, and um, you know, the, the tr- traditional Thai style training where it's, you know, you run for five to 10K, come back, do your bag work, some pad work, and a little bit of clinch and light sparring. It's nothing like that, I think, in, in Holland. So um, I, I do hopefully plan to go out there and kind of see it firsthand. But um, what uh, RVR did uh, was basically stick to his game plan. And uh, Matt Embry, I, I think he very much summed it up of how the fight went with that Facebook post that he had, basically stating that he relied too much on his hands where if he had gone to his roots of um, of just, you know, keeping the fight long, you know, at, at his range, you know, uh, using that traditional Thai style, that would probably offset the fight and probably push, push it or pull it to, towards... Um, you know, pull it his way. Um, if he kept that traditional Thai style, 
even though it is glory kickboxing, right? Mm-hmm. So he he followed. I I feel that that's a stronger style, and I, I think that yeah, definitely. If you had if you had kept his roots, it could have it could have gone you know his way. Could have gone his yeah, way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, leg kicks, right? Yeah. We we yeah. Th- that sort of has been the theme the past little while since that glory fight. It was leg kicks that really started the to beat Matt up in that fight. Um, and obviously it destroys your mobility, your balance, uh, your power obviously coming mm-hmm. out of your legs. And then in your seminar, we did you know some leg kick drills. Um, I've noticed that even Joe Valtellini has been posting a lot of stuff yeah. on his Instagram. Now he's doing like a kickboxing course. I mean, leg kicks are... Well, it's just saying like take the body and the head will come later, right? right. So it's not just body shots as in like you, you know, attacking the liver shot or, or whatnot. You can, if you take someone's legs, they're not as mobile, right? Mm-hmm. They're gonna think twice about stepping in. Um, if they want to punch uh, or box, right? A good way from to stop them from walking in is to cut the legs in. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to be focusing in on 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 getting their stance nice and wide to throw a punch. Uh, that leg is all the weight's going to be on that front leg. It's going to be hard to lift up to block, right? So you know, with a guy with guys like Joe Valtellini, he's made a living. Um, you know. Knocking, leg kick. Yeah, exactly. Knocking guys out uh, via either leg kicks or crippling them to the point that, that he can set up something else up top because they're so worried about him attacking that leg. Mm-hmm. Um, he fought a friend of mine, actually, uh, Ben Case uh, from Pittsburgh. And um, I, I used to train with Joe, actually, years back when I first started Muay Thai. It was at Ultimate Martial Arts where he trained. Okay. And um, when he fought Ben, it was, it was kind of hard to see, like, root for either or because I know both of them and they're both really cool guys. Uh, but Ben's like, when I spoke to him about that fight, he told me he's like, you wouldn't believe how, like how hard that kick comes in, mm. right? And it's uh, he'll set it up with hands where you get so concerned and worried about what's coming upstairs, where it'll basically, um, you know, bring your guard up to the the point that you don't really see the leg kick coming through. And when it comes through, and even if you see it coming through, uh, there's not much you can do about it. Right. right and yeah, he he said it was pro- it was the toughest fight he's had. So um, that kind of style of kickboxing, it it definitely works. And I guess with Matt, what happened was you know, um, you know, trying to load up with the punches and everything, it it gave RVR that target, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I I know Matt, he's he's just a great guy, a good friend too. And I, I really think that he, you know, next time around, if that fight happens, he'll 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 definitely beat RVR nine times out of ten. Yeah, no, nine, yeah, yeah, definitely. He's a smart fighter. He's one of the most intelligent guys I've seen in the ring. I've worked, you know, with him here and there. I actually, first time I met him, uh, I've seen his first fight. Believe it or not, I, his first amateur fight, I was in attendance, and uh, we never really met formally until actually we ran into each other in Thailand at Kausamritchem. And uh, just the level of IQ that he has, um, it's great. It's incredible. He's a student of the game. He uh, he does a ton of reading. He's always looking to expand his mind. So um, I, I I definitely believe if if he can climb back, you know, in the ring with the RVR, um, climb up the ranks. I'm not sure how the the glory ranking is going to work in that sense. But if he can get another title shot, I think that that's his fight to take. For yeah, sure. I agree. Yeah. I can't wait for that. For sure, definitely, especially because, like you said, Matt's such a smart guy. He's very introspective. He's he's very objective too with himself. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, he just he made a mistake. You know, yeah. he and he corrects that, and it'll be definitely a, a rematch yeah. worth watching. No, definitely. 100%. And I mean, even the stoppage, too, as well. Um, you know, if you 
if an account was there, uh, maybe could regroup. So there's a lot of different different things that happen in that fight. You know, it's it's not always in your hands, right? It's in the judges' hands. It's in the referees' hands. Uh, I always tell people like, you know, you you're fighting an opponent, right? And if you don't really knock them out, there's only three other people to impress, which is judge one, judge two, and judge three, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to really make sure that you're you're making your mark there in that case, right? So you never know. And uh, Matt's such a technical fighter that I think that he could, he could find his way. You know, uh, you know, around RVR is just forward pressure. You know, um, he he Robin puts in a, a lot of pressure, and you could see him playing that you know cat game, the cat and mouse game, where he was a cat and Matt was basically you know circling around, you know, almost like the the matter bull. Right. Um, yeah. You know, matter. Uh, yeah, RVR. Right? He's a, he's a pressure fighter, right? Yeah. He, that's definitely. what he, his category is. He comes from that forward Dutch driven, style, right? Just forward driven forward. completely. He's got that really high shell guard, mm-hmm. um, and and especially even him being a sh- someone that's shorter than Matt, it was he was able to keep his elbows just tight to his body. Yeah. It looked like yeah. Matt didn't really land those body hooks no. like he did against uh, Chikadze and Chikadze, Lin. Yeah. yeah. So and and then RVR, of course, has just those power kicks. Yeah. So for a pressure fighter, typically you're, what you want to do when you can, when you identify as a fighter, your opponent is a pressure fighter, you said play the outside game. So lots of teeping, checking leg kicks, checking, obviously. Checking, moving too as well, creating those angles. Uh, it's, it's that bull and matador kind of analogy where you know they're going to walk forward if you circle them and have them chasing around um it frustrates them mm-hmm. you know another thing too as well also with those kind of pressure fighters um it's a balls to the wall kind of move but to actually play their not so much play their game but to stuff them in that sense don't let them get off um that really frustrates a lot of those guys you know and unfortunately can't do that much in glory because if you try to stuff your opponent you end up in the clinch mm-hmm. and that's uh, that's not part of the rules, I guess, in that case, right? So it's not Muay Thai, and so you know, to um, you know, a, a traditional Thai boxer's disadvantage, you can't use that in in glory. So um, what Matt was doing was was using those angles, right? The only difference was that our viewer was putting a lot of range. So it looks like a smaller ring too, as well. When you look, it at was it, a smaller ring. Yeah, it looks like a much smaller ring. So there's not much to move around and create even more angles, right? So yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I I, I think like. You know, it definitely is a different aspect than than Thai boxing, like than than traditional Muay Thai. So, you know, to fight fire with fire, you you might, you know, you might get in, into that kind of, you know, gruesome battles that you know we've seen RVR with uh, Jabra Askarov, um, uh have you know in in previous lorry events where it looks like you know it's just basically a battle in the in the phone booth. Yeah. You know. So, and you were saying to you you gravitate more towards like the the Australian style of martial mm-hmm. arts or sorry Muay Thai and uh, the UK style so that you're saying like just standing in the pocket or it's just is it something it's that it's entertainment I don't know I, I, there's I, a, the entertainment yeah, aspect but there's a, also a really high technical um, you know technical battle that's going yeah. on as well that some people they don't the uninitiated viewer may not really notice that mm-hmm. um, for yourself how would you have categorized your fighting career that the style that you fought at um, I did I mean I was a huge fan of you know, of of Muay Thai uh, from that part of the world, right? Like I, 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 you know, I there's a lot of fighters out there like like JWP, uh, Dane Daddy Cool, um, Liam and Andy, uh, sorry Liam Harrison and Andy Housen. Um, you know, just kind of like basically picking parts of of you know um, their career in that sense, their fighting styles, right? And kind of merging it into mine and making almost like my own hybrid 
kind of style, right, in that sense. Um, I was a technical fighter where I, I didn't like getting into um, those phone booth battles, you know, like uh, there are times that when you can you can see that and you can see there's an opening, you know, you can go for it, but I was always thinking of the longevity of my career, you know. Um, I tried to use angles, I, I didn't mind backing up and then turning around, um, trying to find traps for my opponents. I, I fought off the ropes before. Um, I wasn't a forward-driven fighter. I didn't. I didn't push. I wasn't a pressure fighter in that sense. Um, so I would not. I wouldn't take two to give one back. You know, in the sense, I always thought to myself, pick my shots, stay out there. Um, I, I, I'd love to clinch too as well. So that was one, one of my. Um, strong points if I knew the opponent couldn't clinch and there's a lot of times that you do fight you know um, guys from gyms that they really don't clinch at mm -hmm. all alright so the minute um, you know you, f you find a chink in their armor take advantage of it there's mm -hmm. so many times I went back to the corner and said okay I think I'm going to clinch this whole fight and, and take this on points right there's no need for me to get in uh, you know a crazy battle with this guy uh, you know get my teeth knocked out and my bell rung for the, for the <laughs> right. sake of that you know as, as bad as it sounds you know it, it, it might make for uh, a very like technical fight in that sense and where people could say it might be potentially boring but at the end of the day it's it's you know it's what wins the fight all right um in certain cases it's working against my um my advantage in that sense so um i would li i'd like to say i was more technically based in that sense i, I studied muay thai right i study what people do i try to see where their where uh, their plus points are their their um their strategies and i basically try to take that aspect out of it and try to make it my own you know, um, so I do have a whole bunch of favorite fighters I like. You know, I do like that um, that you can find these guys that, um, and the, with the glory of YouTube, you can find so many different fight styles, opponents. Um, I always tell people watch watch fights, study it. Mm -hmm. Right? If you find a fighter that you like, go and look for um, more of their fights. And if they fight an, a good opponent, you know, maybe look at those fights too and see how they. They uh, fared in, in, in their fight career, and if you find a couple techniques that can then be your own, merge it together and make it your own. Then in that in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. So now, now obviously your your fighting career, no no desire to return to the ring, or is it something that you just always <laughs> have it in you that you want to get back in there? I always think about it, but at the same time, I think after my uh, my last fight in in the UK, like I think it was, you know, I I'm not a full time fighter. Like I, I don't I never had. The opportunity to do that. I I, I worked a nine to five job, and you know I, I taught um, uh, Muay Thai like you know uh, in the, on a part time basis, right? So the hardest thing to do was to to train like a full time fighter. It was it was really difficult, right? So I'd get up in the morning, do my jog, um, shower up real quick, go work nine to five, you know. And, and in certain cases, I during my lunch break, I would go to the gym and try to run or uh, or do something in that sense, right? Then I'd uh, basically come home, uh, pack my gym bag, and go to the gym for two, three hours. And that was whenever I had a fight. And if I didn't have a fight, it was you know four, four days a week or so. I, I would I'd get a little bit of sparring and just to just to stay sharp and such. I used to watch a lot of fight tape, but my scheduling was tough. And uh, you know I I fought a couple guys like Ogden Topic, uh, even when I was in Australia, um, was it Matt Seaton and and Kane uh, Kane Brunton. That was you know these guys are. WBC, uh, you know, national and, and state champions, right? Um, that's all they do, right? So they're strong, strong boys, and you know, uh, they have the ability to train full time, right? So it was, it's tough to, you know, basically um, put everything on, uh, you know, aside and just live that, you know, full time fight, 
lifestyle. Right. So how does a how does a new fighter do that? Like when you say live a full time, like fight full time, how do you create that opportunity There's very for few yourself? Guys that do that. When I look at it, it's like when you look you you look at guys you know Matt Embry and Simon Marcus. Uh, uh, even Joe Valsalini, he I mean he's a school teacher during the day, right? He yeah. has a gym now, right? Um, it's a lot. It's a lot to juggle, right? So uh, guys like Simon and 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 Matt have have made it possible. Um, they they do teach a class, I believe, here and there to make you know ends meet. And now with with what they're doing in, with Lori, that establishes them to make some money in the sport. But um, you know, for myself at least personally, um, you know, to balance life. Um, you know, pay a mortgage, uh, insurance on a car. It's a lot of, it's a lot of things. It's all life. It's exactly. Life it's, it's all the life stuff. Right. And that costs money. Right. Yeah. And yeah. in order to make money, you have to go to work. So, uh, you know, obviously I have ambitions down the road to, to, you know, one day make more time, my full-time career as in teaching full-time. Right. But, you know, in regards to training to fight, um, you know, it was a struggle, but I, I had such a will and, and, you know, a desire to fight and keep continuing to fight that when I was fighting in my uh, mid to late 20s, um, I put all that aside. You know, I, I, I'd get maybe about five hours of sleep, um, you know, like I said, in the, go running in the morning, uh, work my full-time job, and then go to the gym, all right? It was a, it's a hard balance. That it's, sounds like, awful. It's, it is, it's absolutely <laughs> terrible, right? So That's love, you know, right? That's you know, passion, of course, that's, of course. that's real love. And, and that's, why, that's why I enjoyed it so much, you know? I, I wanted it that bad, yeah. all right? So even having to work a full-time job, I wanted that bad, so I'd make the sacrifices. I wouldn't see uh, friends as much as I, I wish I could, and you know, there's a lot of fun parties that I missed out on. Um, because I was either at the gym or trying to live a clean lifestyle just to get to the, you know, where I wanted to be. Right. right? I, and I just wanted to fight. I knew, uh, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I, you know, obviously I'd, I would have loved to have won, uh, you know, all the belts and accolades and world championships there is. But no matter what, if I couldn't do it, I just loved to fight. That was my desire, you know, to get in the ring. I'd already won getting in the ring and being able to fight as hard as I could. You right. Know, that was, that was at least for me. That was. Um, my accomplishment you know my personal goal was to do that you know uh, and not you know basically say I wish I was going to be a champion and and if I don't fight there's no chance of, of doing it you know I, I fought for um, CMT's uh, world title and that was probably one of the pinnacle uh, points of my career I came up short but I was just happy to be there and be able to fight and actually step in the room in you know in the ring and uh, in, in this case the cage and do it so Finding that perfect balance, it's it's hard, but if there's a will, there's a way. So yeah. do it while you're young too. That's another thing too, too, because when you get older, just life gets a little tougher. Definitely, you know? definitely, you get slower. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everything gets a little harder when you're older, right? So now you're at a point in your martial arts career where you're you're coaching, and you're yeah. you've recently started the seminar circuit. So talk about some of the fighters that you train you know you're at mm. you're at extreme couture you're at open mat you were former muay thai coach at rev, at rev yeah. mma um so talk about when you're when you're talking to these young guys mm-hmm. um you know obviously you walk the walk so there's a certain thing what are you looking for in in an athlete that you want to develop um, uh, when you see that there's a, like a like a willingness to learn mm-hmm. right there that's uh it's kind of like uh the custom matter um what he said about Tyson, you know, when when you have that spark, you know, it's, it's your job as a coach to turn that into a fire, and that fire will turn to you know roaring blaze, right? And the minute you see an interest with a, a student, um, they're eager to learn about the sport. 
you know uh it makes your job that much easier as a coach they want to learn you can you can have conversations with them you can you can show them a, like videotape of a fight you know and say look watch this fight see how this technique was set up and see how he scored the knockout don't just look at the knockout just you know for the sake of doing that i always tell people don't look at a highlight reel of someone's knockouts they're fun to watch but you don't learn anything watch mm-hmm. the full fight see how the how you know um um the end result was set up whether right. it was a you know a, a, a you know a decision win or or um you know a stoppage right see how that end result was set up with the technique that was used by the fighter all right um so you know telling this to students and if you have those students that are actually interested in it um i only have a couple guys that i'm working with and taking out to um uh to tournaments and such um uh, Sudesh is one of them. Um, Marcia Chiado and, and Matt Blackett are more more active fighters. Uh, I work with uh, Thomas Krog Jensen, who is my trainer, and he's been actually in my corner since day one, since I started fighting. Yeah, it's an amazing yeah. relationship. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. He's a, he's my mentor. He's like a father figure to me, and uh, we've taken them to quite a few fights. And our team's slowly growing. We're you know we're coming along. Um, they've been pretty successful um matt i recently took to panama and he fought uh as a pro um he's you know he he's had a colorful background prior to you know uh meeting us all right and then being introduced uh to our style of muay thai and we worked on him and there's a couple things that we've been able to bring out of him that you know that he didn't necessarily have prior to that and it's, it's almost like a, a new fighter awakening mm-hmm. um other fighters you know we we work with with guys that you know that they just want to accomplish something as in like they, they want to have one or two fights, you know. Others want to be, you know, provincial champions. Others want to be world champions. It's your goal as a coach to, or it's your job as a coach to accomplish their goals for them. Like in that sense, not for them, but to get them to that stage, mm-hmm. right? So whether they, they're a kid that was bullied and just wants to get in the ring just to sort something out in their life and they just want to have one fight, get them in the ring. Yeah. All right? If they want to have... Uh, you know, um, a well-decorated amateur career, and then eventually climb up the ranks of a professional. That's your job. So you got to get them there, and you got to find. You can't go from you know, you know, A to Z without going through the full alphabet. You got to go through all the steps. You know, where do you start with the, with your first amateur fight? How do you you know do you do the provincial tournaments? Do you go to the states and do um, the, the amateur tournaments that they have out there? You can't jump in and have a couple of amateur fights and then just go straight to Thailand. Uh, and and think that you're you're gonna be you know the next Raja Dhamman champion you know it's, a, it's it's a paved road and you have to take it right it's a you know there'll be times that you'll go off beat a little bit but you have to you know you have to basically walk that route mm-hmm. you know that almost that warrior route in that sense and and pay your dues you know I've done that my entire career and I paid my whole way through it uh, I didn't have sponsors I didn't have uh, GoFundMe's or patrons or any of that. I, I, I saved my money, put it aside, and I went traveling. And everywhere I went, I spent my money on fighting. That's yeah, amazing. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how I spent my money. If you if you look, I don't have a lot of material goods, but I just have all the memories, which will last me a lifetime. Yeah, that's and it. all and all this knowledge now, yeah. which is, you know, leads me to, to talk to you more about the seminars, right? Mm. One thing I wrote an article for Lana MMA, and one thing I said is that your your experience, the money that you've spent on these experiences has become the good fortune of all of these students. And, yeah. and some of them are, are recreational athletes and they, they mm-hmm. just wanna learn how to kick, you know, kick ass in the gym. And then there are people that, um, for myself, I, I really respect the technical aspect of the sport, mm-hmm. don't see myself fighting, but love, um, 
I live vicariously yeah. through fighters uh, like like yourself. Um, when it comes to everything that you've accumulated, now you, you're starting to share that with people in seminar format. Is it is it kind of something that it just keeps growing for you? Because you took your fair share of seminars, mm-hmm. you trained, you know, with the best, fought the best. So, is it sort of doing seminars? Uh, to to spread you know to to spread Muay Thai, is, what is oh, it? Oh, definitely, definitely. Like I mean, the, I always told people like I mean, if you take one thing out of a seminar, right? Just one little technical thing, it's worth the money, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that uh, you 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 keep your mind open to anything, you know. Um, well, when I went traveling and, and and competing, to be honest with you, uh, what I learned in Thailand. Um, you know, it, it's they they work on the basics, right? They have a their style of fighting, but everyone trains the same. It's the same routine. You you run in the morning, you come back, you do your bat your your bag work, your pads. In the afternoon, you do pretty much the same thing, except you clinch a little bit and maybe spar. Uh, you do your sit up drills and all that such, right? The, the the formula in Thailand is is pretty much the same around the gym. They have a couple different things where from gym to gym might differ, but you know, if you go from north to south, east to west in the country, the whole routine is very, very similar to each from gym to gym. Um, in Australia, for example, I mean, they, they, John Wayne Parr's gym, they, they had a fighter class every day, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's Thai style training, but also they explain things too as well. And with a guy like Wayne, it's not just his style, his technique. Um, I sparred plenty of times with him. And to even see that mindset, he's such a competitive guy. Like he, he, he just it's 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 a nightmare sparring with him you know he's consistently in your face oh, I bet. you know consistently in your face and it's just like combo after combo he'll turn spin you're turning and you're getting hit and it's you, you be if you if you're lucky to lab uh, like land a jab you you should be happy with it because uh-huh. it's it's consistent pressure but that mind that that mindset if you can even like just for a split second see what he sees it's worth it. It's worth the session. It's worth the the abuse that he, you're taking. All right. It's, it's it's in your in your mind. I'm thinking to myself. I'm like, all right. If I can act just you know, uh, you know, for a split second like that, I can maybe score a knockdown or I can score something. Because when you're in the ring, you 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 know, there's everything's almost in slow motion. All right. Those you know, everything goes really fast. As in the, the the bell rings and all of a sudden the fight's over, but at the same time, like it takes forever for a round to end sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. And if you have that split second where you have an opportunity, you know, take advantage of it, right? Uh, when I was and with- does that come from drilling? Is that like, you know, I there's a, something important I've noticed about drilling, and then and then obviously technical sparring. What is it? You know, if you're if you're getting beat up in sparring, there's there's one of those things where it makes you tough, and like you said, yeah. you're going to learn something. But there's also one of those things where is it. Are you catching too much of a beating that you sort of, you know, some uh, some people are it shies them away. Like, what is your philosophy on sparring? Is it like think, light I mean, sparring, technical sparring, hard sparring? Do there, uh, is there a place for all of them? I, I well, to be honest, with you like I, I don't think I don't think sparring should be extremely tough in the sense because like the fight's in the ring. It's not in sparring. Right? right. You can't win. You don't get a trophy in sparring. Right. You know, I've seen so many of like you know uh, individuals I've, I've taught. Uh, the first time that they get in the ring, they think it's actually an all-out fight, all right? And uh, they're wailing for the fences. Um, they're getting injured. There's, you're not learning that way. And mm-hmm. it's a fight-or-flight kind of zone. They're, maybe they're excited about it. Um, I felt the same way when I got in the ring, you know? I uh, for Not the ring, but uh, a sparring session. I didn't know what to do. Uh, and I thought to myself, I'm like, I gotta win this round, right? 
there are cases let's say for example if you're if you're preparing for a fight you know you might want to tune it up a little bit because you want to emulate a fight where you're going tit for tat and you want to make sure you get you know um um, basically the better end of it win those rounds pretend that it is a an actual fight um, but at the same time don't go to the intensity where you're hurting yourself before the fight you want to be right. as injury free as possible right and it's almost impossible to do that and I had you know always in sports s- you're always injured injured you've yeah, always, always had something, something right yeah. and it also makes you a little bit more of a cautious fighter because you're not going to be reckless if you're reckless in sparring you're going to be reckless in the gym, in the in the ring yeah. right which can lead to a lot of openings yeah. um is there a rule? Detriment. Sorry, is there is there a rule for sparring for you? I, I know some gyms will say to, to fighters, um, you know, you have to train for six months and then get to an intermediate level. Like yeah. a lot of the Siam gyms uh, in Toronto, like Siam Number One mm-hmm. schools and affiliates, have a yellow short, blue short. Yeah. Um, is, is there something that you're looking for in particular that you think should occur before someone begins sparring? Because some people begin too early and yeah. they either shy away from it because they they get beat up too badly, yeah. they get injured, or they're the ones that are doing the beating up yeah. and, and they're really not embracing what Muay Thai is yeah. in terms of the style, the stance, the balance, things like that. They're just going into brawl. Mm-hmm. Is there a rule for that in terms of sparring? Uh, I, I, it's, it's hard to say like, you know, some someone that takes three months to get in, into, you know, into sparring, um, for another individual, it might take them a whole year, right? right? Um, I've had students before that uh, it was a nightmare to watch them spar because they would just go absolutely so hard, right? You know, and they're big guys, and you know, they, it's hard for them to um, control their their power and their weight, basically. Um, so, you know, it, it, you know, you could work on someone for two, three years until they get fed up and they leave the gym, right? Right. So, I don't, you know, it, it depends on the individual, but it's also drilling it in their head that they shouldn't go hard. You know, yes. um, work with each other. You're not getting a trophy. You're not getting a medal. You're not getting a, a belt for, uh, you know, after the sparring sessions. There's no winning in sparring, right? So you grow as a team. You, you, you um, uh, There's a couple of gyms in in, in, uh, in Thailand um, that they, they post a lot of their sparring sessions on... Um, uh, on, on, on YouTube and Instagram and uh, even some of the stuff that you see on Evolve and uh, Yokao, their training centers. Yes. It's, it's amazing to watch these guys spar, all right? And these are high-level guys and they spar tit for tat. Some of them aren't even wearing shin guards and you could see that there's no damage being inflicted. Right. right. Uh, that was what I noticed in yeah, Thailand. Yeah. It was a big difference. That's a big thing that most people say is a difference between the West yeah. and, and Thai style. Here, sparring seems to be everything. Yeah. People want to spar. That's all they want to do. That's, in Thailand, it's it's play. It's, it's like play, a game of tag, exactly. right? It's you. They're they're laughing. They're loose. They're smiling because the real money is in the ring, right? Like yeah. you said, that's where the belts. That's where and that's where the money is to take care of themselves and their families. So getting injured in sparring is only going to take food off the table for them. Exactly. Right? exactly. Yeah. Whereas here, it's amazing. Yeah. See. You know, I'll still spar. I'm in my 30s. <laughs> and you get this young 19 year old kid that has a limitless gas tank. They don't have a job. You know, they live at home. You know, the, the gym <laughs> membership is generally paid for by their parents. So they could they could come in and just go absolutely like, yeah. insane. And then you got to limp to work the I'm limping day. to work. Yeah. I just, I can't function, yeah. right? And no one likes that fight club look, yeah. you know, coming in with a black eye no. into, into and it's work. And it's not only that too as well. If you want to have a, you know, long, prosperous uh, career, you can't take the head trauma, right? And if you notice, like, uh, even in Thailand, some of them don't even wear mouth guards. They'll wear 10-ounce gloves and, and just some really light shin guards when they're sparring. Yeah. But they're not getting hurt. 
right. in this case. There's no concussions, right? right. Uh, that's left for the competition. Right. Uh, here in, in North America, uh, you go to gyms, you need to put a headgear on them because yeah. they're colliding their heads together. Head, headgear is... Uh, um, you know, like as you can see with uh, now amateur boxing, like they're getting rid of it in the sense that they're proving that it's no different than having headgear or not, yeah. right? It's more of a hindrance, it's, right? Exactly. So, yeah. but people had to wear headgear here because the fact that they might clash their heads together, and why that happens, um, your guess is as good as mine, right? Because it's just that I guess that uh, alpha male ego, right? And maybe it's a North American thing, and. Um, you know, trying to teach people to go light. It's it's tough. I, I've, I've taken a couple of guys of mine to, to spar uh, and, you know, when, I, when we take them to different gyms, I always tell them, I said, just go light because if you if you hit them as hard as you, you know, basically hit them as hard as you want to get hit, right? Just understand that, you know, that if you go to war with them, they're going to go to war with you. No one benefits out of this, right? And I work with them too as well, with Matt and, and Sudesh, I've sparred with them, even Marcy, and, and I want to see them basically grow. Right, so right. there's no point for me to, you know, when I'm beating them up, I'm beating them up verbally, telling them to, <laughs> to go to go lighter. Right, there is a time and place where you can go all out. That's the ring. Yes, um, learn in the gym. Right. right? So the etiquette, it, some of the onus is on obviously uh, the instructor to keep an yeah, eye on things. Definitely. Right. To say, you know, guys, t- tone it down. Yeah. What about uh, you as a fighter? You're, you know, the, like you said, there's the male ego. So sometimes you're sparring a guy that is just going super hard and you don't want to be the one that says no st- stop exactly right so if, if it's a, if it's in a competitive nature sure if you know if it's if you're not hurting hurting the individual that's a different story right mm-hmm. so like there are i've had heated uh sparring sessions before myself where you know we're going back and forth and i was i've always been the smaller guy right so i always took the brunt of the, the yeah. force but at the end of the day like you can't you know i i had to keep in my mind thinking to myself I'm like i'm getting ready for a fight i can't get injured Right. Yeah. And for me, it was never uh, a bad thing to tell the guy, listen, like, chill, because I have to fight next week and this is my last sparring session. I don't need this concussion. I don't need to get my leg bashed up. Like, I need, I need to, you know, I need to be 100 percent as as close to it as I can. Right. Right. Um, I was a sparring partner for Sandy Segoras, which is a female boxer. Mm-hmm. Right. That style of, uh, I mean, in boxing, sparring is much harder. They almost emulate it at like a fight. Right. Um, you know, I've had some of the toughest sparring sessions was I was actually her than anybody else. Yeah. She hit me more accurately than and harder than anybody else that I've ever sparred with. Wow. You know, and it, it's just because boxing is slightly different. You know, um, it's it's a lot easier to get hurt in sparring in, in, in Muay Thai, you know, jamming your toe, you know, banging up a shin, um, stupid things like that, right? People get in the clinch and all of a sudden I tore my MCL. Um, in sparring once, right? Mm-hmm. That wouldn't have happened in boxing, but they do still go harder. It's just, you know, the the, the targets are different and it's it's a little bit more control, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, but when you go to Thailand, sparring is so controlled, you know. Oh, it's beautiful. It's, it's great I to watch. I love yeah. sparring in Thailand. Yeah. The, the ego just fades away. But then when you see it in Holland, it's it looks like a fight. Right. So, I don't know. Yeah, like, Mike's gym. Yeah, you watch Mike, the sparring exactly. at Mike's gym is just it's out of, brutal. It looks out of yeah. control. So I'm not sure. Like I, I don't know. Like I mean, but they produce a lot of good fighters, right? Yes, exactly. They produce a lot of good fighters. I just don't 
you know, uh, maybe they should do a concussion study. Well, that's what uh, it is too. It's discovering CTE. Yeah. I mean, they they did it with football. Now it's yeah. just starting to find out what it's gonna, what kind of impact it's gonna have. Uh, on, a, friend, on, a friend of mine, Stefan Strahmeyer from Pittsburgh, he actually uh, he did a study uh, for I, th- I think it was a, t- a two year study almost for for a lot of combatants uh, that that competed in the TBA and also uh, in North America. And you know, uh, basically, it was a survey to see you know how safe. The sport is basically with concussions and injuries and such, right? And um, you know, I'd like to see how that is. You know, how that you know, overlaps in places like Holland. You know, mm-hmm. the concussion rate in, in an amateur tournament. You know, if they're going so hard uh, in that case, but I, I I can't really speak for that because I haven't gone there to train. And one day I would love to to just see how it is firsthand. Um, just the stories I've heard. You know, like like I said before, from Eric Aircraft and a few other people that have gone there. Um, it looks like really, really tough training, right? Um, but then again, they produce some top-notch guys. Right, because of that, just yeah. trial by fire, it looks like, right? Exactly. But is there a way that you can, I mean, also, and then you look at Thailand, they and they produce, I mean, it's their national sport. Yeah. They produce what would arguably be the best yeah. in their in their respective weight classes. Yes. So what is it? So the, the Dutch I went to Thailand. I mean, that was a big thing, so... Mm-hmm. You know, Muay Thai was relatively unknown until by the Westerners until what the seventies, we'll say. Oh, yeah, I'd say so. And then, and then a lot of Europeans started coming over. Yeah, and then they kind of basically made their. Um, they tried to adopt the adopt, style, yeah, like in their adopt Dutch it, style. But then, and then adapt. So exactly. they took like the Dutch kickboxing, watched what the Thais did, took the best of what they believed yeah. the Thais had to offer, but then merge it to be their merge own it together. Yeah. So, but did not ex- export. The spar the sparring style. Mm-hmm. So it's just that idea of just hard sparring yeah. creates hard people. There's this videotapes of Decker doing pad work, right? And, and yeah. with with uh, core hammers, and so. But there's also a lot of sparring drills too that they do, right? Right. So it's just a different style of training. I, I'd say at the end of the day, like uh, they do get in the ring and they they still have to fight the same human being with two arms, two legs, and right. head to knock off, right? So it's just different styles. Um, at least I can say for Australia, uh, when I was out there, a lot of the gyms adopt the Thai style, like a lot of the fight gyms. Um, between where I was staying in Surface Paradise and Burley, there was a couple other gyms on the way to uh, to Boonchu Gym. So driving down the Gold Coast Highway, I would see, you know, um, guys from Strike Force and um, uh, Urban Fight Gym jogging around, you know, like just before um, pad work and, and the fighters classes that they were doing, right? So they adopted it and they have some talented guys out there, you know? Um, Man, they're like they were the promotions that they put on there, the, the caliber of fighters that they have, um, you know, uh, are phenomenal. And they use the same chemistry, the same blueprint that the Thai use, the, the sorry, the, the Thais use uh, for their training. All right. Um, in the UK, uh, you know, when I was at with Andy's, uh, with Andy Housen and Liam, uh, they're, they're, they you know they, they work a lot with pads too as well. There's a lot of pad work in that sense. The sparring, um, I wouldn't say it's much much different, you know, in that case, um, as opposed to North America where it's almost like a, you're doing a group class in that sense. Right. You know. Yeah. But again, we've also made some awesome fighters with with guys like Simon, Joe, and Matt. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I still want to go back to the seminar. I wish I, I, I don't want to give away too much <laughs> of some of the stuff. I was really impressed. Um, it was my first time. I, I'd taken classes with you at M1 at Alex Ricci's yeah. gym. Um, we had known each other personally before yeah. I'd even really learned Muay Thai from you. Um, I like the way that you, it, you 
the way it seemed to me, it came across to me, obviously it's not all your tricks, but you were able to take something defensive and turn it into offense, which you were saying, you're not yeah. a pressure fighter, you're looking to pick your shots, right? About, and and again, Val Tolini with, with the leg kicks, it's, it's the timing, right? Yeah. You're looking for someone to put weight on their lead foot for you to chop them. Yeah. I really like the drill where I've always thought it was funny. You, some things you just never think about. You have that aha moment. And yeah. I just remember there was a few times in the gym where people just went, ooh, <laughs> which is obviously, you know, pretty awesome. And uh, the one that I really enjoy is where you you stiff arm someone. So you give them a really stiff arm yeah. in the chest, push them back. And as they walk to you, then you have a leg kick yeah, they're, right there. Because they're their natural instinct is to come forward, just right? Just come forward. They're going to move forward. So they're going to put that weight on their leg. Um, yeah. There's so many different ways. I mean, even with like some of the evasive stuff, you know, if if it's it's so in, in pad work and bag work, you don't miss, right? You don't miss. The target's always usually there in that case, right? right? right. Unless you, if you're missing on the bag, then you should reassess what you're doing really <laughs> yeah. in that case, right? But there's always a target in yeah. bag work and there's usually always a target in, in pad work, yeah. all right? Someone's going to hold it for a kick. You're, they're placing it right there. You're striking, right? Uh, there's a high, you know, rate of uh, connection yeah. With striker and pad holder and, right. and striker. Right, it better be, it better be 100%. Bag, right? yeah. Exactly, right? Yeah. So, but in sparring and especially in a fight, you, you miss quite a few um, uh, techniques in the sense of you, if you fire a kick and you, if the guy's evasive or he blocks, you, you miss the shot that's thrown, Yeah. right? People don't really prepare for that. So when they get in the ring, they, it, it, there is that, that sense of disappointment when you, you're missing something. And if you could use that for your advantage by making someone miss and countering them as they miss, it's that's got to be the highest it, yeah, level of martial it, arts it, it's, it's an even greater effect right in the sense that you made them miss they're disappointed the fact that they missed or they're it's, it's taken a lot of energy for them to throw that technique they've missed and then you've countered them and you've scored on top of that it's very demoralizing right yeah um, Floyd Mayweather is the most you know um He's the man when it comes exactly, to defense. Exactly, exactly. And uh, how frustrating is it to fight him? You watch it. It's, it's the majority of fights uh, that he's had. It's 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 very defensive, mm. right? Where he'll strike, move. You know, um, he's out. He's on the other side of the ring. By the time you throw your hook, so you're just hoping to throw a hook uh, to, to catch him, and and he's underneath it. You know, he's he's had that amazing lead right hand, uh, and and Bob underneath their left hook, just like Bernard Hopkins did too as well. Uh, Willie Pep. Um, these guys are all defensive fighters in that sense. They don't get into those wars, mm -hmm. right? Um, by making people miss encountering, right? That translates and that translates in Muay Thai perfectly. Yeah, it's the same thing, right? Yeah. If you can make them miss, um, yeah, it, it, it takes it zaps your energy. There's the, there's an art of deception, mm -hmm. and so when it, to to martial arts, especially to to combat, in in that, you, the one thing we were talking about after your seminar was um, well, a group of us. What was about when it comes to like what you were showing is the, there's a punch, there's there's an uppercut, there's a hook, there's a there's a kick. Like the ingredients are all there. Yeah. There was not you weren't you didn't show up and teach us some magical no, new thing where you it's grow all a tail. Practical. It's all the same. And it's all there. Muay Thai is a practical sport. It's right, as they so say, practical, it's practical yeah. art. And it's, it was just your take, your your explanation of how and when to do things. Yeah. Um, which I've also, um, I was I learned from my coach years ago. He said in martial arts, it's not a matter of what you do, it's a matter of when. Yeah. There's no real wrong technique, it's just no, a matter no, of when all. you apply it. For example, yeah. let's say uh, a cross with your elbow really high doesn't make sense if you're firing a one-two. Yeah. But in the case of when you notice a lazy jab, you have that. like you're explaining, when someone hangs their jab out 
and they return it below their chin instead of straight there's in a straight opening line. Right there. There's an opening because there's a crook in the elbow. Yeah. So that's when you can pop the uh, your elbow yeah, over the right to hand get, to score just to get the counter. Through, yeah, that little gap, right? And, yeah. you know, like like I said in seminar, like in the ring, an inch is a mile, right? Yeah. A second is an hour. Yeah. You know, you have to take advantage of that that space and that time that you have an opening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Namsek Noy, uh, he wrote a post, I, 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 I think it's on Facebook, uh, just a couple of days ago, and he was talking about how the, there's no wrong technique. A kick is still a kick, right? Mm-hmm. The trainer's job is to kind of show you how to deliver the power in that sense. So, you know, I, I tell people, like, I, they, everyone's got to have their own style. You know, if you have a gym that everyone looks, you know, uh, uniformly, like yeah, exactly, uniformly alike, it's not, uh, you know, it's it's basically, uh, they have a recipe and they're just using it over and over and over again, right? You have to bring out the best out of that individual fighter. Okay, if he's uh, if he's gifted in his hands, you know, enhance that. Okay, make him a, a phenomenal boxer, but work on his weaknesses such as his kicks or maybe his clinch. All right, uh, don't neglect that and say, okay, you got to be a kicker instead. You know, don't take something away from him. Yeah. You know, um, uh, who was it? Um, Eddie Bravo and Joe Rogan had that conversation about being Bangkok ready. And it was, <laughs> That's great. Yeah, he was talking about how <laughs> how when a grappler would go in and work with a with a striking coach, and then the striking coach would basically say he's Bangkok ready, and say stand up with the fighter. Right? No, enhance your strengths. Your strengths are on the ground. Use it. Use it to your advantage. That's your strength. Right? Mm-hmm. No one can take that away from you. Mm-hmm. And just like that in Muay Thai, your strength might be in the clinch. You know, use that to your advantage. You know. Um, if you're a kicker, same deal. All right, keep them at bay, keep them at range. Right, use your kicks uh, efficiently, and effectively. Mm-hmm. Right. Again, with a counterfighter, you know, a guy that knows his distance can l- make you miss, can can lure you in. He'll, a good counterfighter will l- give you a target to hit, be evasive enough for you to miss it, and then have that opportunity to to basically create his opening or her opening. You know, with you missing, mm-hmm. take it full advantage of that. And then, the, you know, the opponent on that side that, that's missed and got countered is down a few points, plus could potentially be injured in the fight or hurt from whatever is throwing, right? It's, right. That's the chink in the armor, all right? Yeah, that's how you can find it. And, and the styles uh, in any fighting art is what makes the matchup, all right? Mm-hmm. So if you have a style and, you know, not every style is going to beat another style in that sense, right? But the, the beauty of it is that the styles make the matchups. So yeah. with with a with a stable of fighters, each style should be catered towards them, their personality. Right. You know? Can't right. make everyone wear the same size shoes, can't make everyone wear the same size clothes, right? Everyone's right. every everyone's, you know, uh you know, shape, you know, informed, you know, in their own unique way, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes they might have certain aspects to them that'll uh that are that they're attributed basically to themselves in the sense that they they might be a, a strong um, a strong clincher right why take that away from right else? exactly now in the case of when you look at the guys that are fighting in glory let's say Simon Marcus really known for having a strong clinch yeah. really good elbows in the clinch when you take those weapons away and you want to participate in glory kickboxing because that's the only show in town now you as a martial artist have to train. And adapt. Uh, you have yeah. to create new strengths yeah. and and adapt and and bring up your weaknesses. Also, because I would assume you know you build a reputation, people start finding out what you're all about. So mm-hmm. it's up to you as a fighter to to adapt to change. Because let's say for example you're known as having an amazing right kick. So people, you know, if the word gets around, let's yeah. say there is no tape on a guy, coaches phone each other and say, "Oh, this kid got a dynamite right kick," and yeah. you know he throws the left hook and the right kick follows. 
So the next fight's great. You know, you should be training in your own time, your switch kick, right? So yeah. you surprise somebody with a new weapon. But then again, it's, I don't know, it's, uh, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with that. I, I, it's, I guess it's the evolution of the fighter in, in, the, in, in a different style of fighting, right? Because mm-hmm. lower kickboxing is different than from, from traditional Muay Thai, right? Right. But then you look at a guy like Yodson Klai, right? He fought, um, uh, obviously, <laughs> some of the best fighters out of there right. multiple times, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. But there was a, a fight that he fought um, in Contender Asia show. Right. Uh, the, it was a, a show that was, I think, back in 2008 uh, on AXN Network or something. And uh, it, it went viral where they had uh, just like the Contender Boxing show. I think it was like maybe 16 guys or something in the house. And basically they lived in Singapore. And all the big names were in there. Uh, right. John Wayne Parr, uh, Yodson Klai, um, Soren Monkwantong and, and such, right? That... One of the fights uh, he fought was against Sean Wright, who used to train Atlanta Muay Thai in Thailand. Uh, I've met Sean numerous times in Thailand. Um, he He's cornered one of my fights in, in at Gola Stadium once, too, as well. Uh, nevertheless, he actually fought Yod in, uh, um, in, in the Contender Asia show. And he told me, he said, you see the left kick coming. There's nothing you can do about it. Wow. You know? It's, it, it comes in with... It was, and and he's, he's renowned for that. He's renowned for that, yeah, that he's left no, kick. Yeah, you know? that left kick. And you see always. the combos that he sets up with. It's usually, uh, you know, maybe a right to the body, uh, sorry, a left to the body, uh, you know, right hook just on the shoulder just to kind of like pat on the shoulder just to, to set you up for that kick. Or he'll just blast the kick at his will, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can't, you, there's no, you Sometimes know. you're just that good at exactly, a technique. Exactly, There's nothing yeah. you can do to stop so, it. You know, and he, I mean, he's had his ups and downs in his career, right? But sure. at the same time, like, you know, he, he's had, um, you know, so much success with, with the most basic stuff, you know, that I think that if he had entered a place, uh, you know, a, a, a promotion like Glory Kickboxing, he'd do it insanely well, yeah, insanely well, right? I don't think there's anyone out there that could have stopped that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, also, yeah, and his conditioning was, you know, yeah. was superb, so, right? That's, that's why I think, like, yeah, you could, you could definitely evolve as a fighter, but at the same time, if you have your strengths so strong, in one aspect, take full advantage of it. You know, make that individual pay for it each each time that you're that you're fighting. Right. So it's I don't know. Cool, man. It, well, it's hard. It's hard. It's styles make matchups, right? Uh, totally. Yeah. And with with Simon, that's another thing too, as well. Like taking that clinch away from him was a huge thing. You know. Yeah. And the, the guy's been a, he's a powerhouse, man. And oh, everything he throws know, is with like, power. You could see that tie style. In, in, yeah. in the way Simon throws the weight too I'm not sure that's another thing too as well that, that, that could play a big role because I think the weight division is it's a little bit higher from what he what he would fight at right yeah. and if you even look at guys like Artem though he fought Artem looks way bigger right way way bigger right, right, right. and uh, you know rightfully so he, he held his ground with you know with a lot of the fights there and yes. you know with Artem like the only thing Artem really did was just hang on yeah, he hung you know, up for dear only, life. Yeah, that was the only thing, basically, right? And uh, if that was a full tie rules fight, he'd be. Would have been. A, <laughs> it would have been a really, would have been really a bad long, night for Levin. Really long night for Artem. Definitely, right? definitely. So. Well, buddy, I think we're uh, we're almost at the hour mark now. Awesome. Dude. And uh, man, I really appreciate you being on. No, no, it was I my hope, pleasure. I hope I really, we'll we'll have yeah. you back on. <laughs> for um, sure. So, if people want to find you, where where can they go? Obviously, you're, you're coaching in Toronto. Yes, yes. I'm, at, I'm at Open Mat right now. Um, 
this I, I work um, from time to time at Extreme Couture with a couple guys there with uh, Thomas and uh, we have a small promotion called Diamond White Tide that we have a couple fighters that fight underneath our banner um, you can find me on Facebook under Tony Monaharn my full name uh, my Instagram uh, Tony underscore disco and uh, you know if, if uh, I love I, I love talking fight stuff so if you ever want to talk just uh, you know reach out to me and the conversation I'm a, I'm a, a, mo- a nerd about the sports so uh, you know I, there's no uh, endless conversation I can have amazing yeah. well thank you buddy looking forward to having you back on thanks for being on episode one and uh, that's my it. pleasure man. signing off for uh, the bloody ballet thanks for listening guys <laughs> thanks guys thanks for listening to this episode of the bloody ballet Subscribe on iTunes and follow on SoundCloud.